And you begin to question yourself. You really begin to question your talent and like, well, should I do something else? And it always goes back to the same thing. I was like, I wouldn't know what else to do. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of It Doesn't Happen Overnight. My name is Tony Ariemi and I am your host and I'm so excited to be back here for episode four. On this podcast, I bring on someone from my generation who is going for their dreams as they take us through the ups, the downs, and everything in between on their road to success. My hope is that by listening to this podcast, you get the courage to start your dream or at least realize what your dream may be. It Doesn't Happen Overnight is a part of a larger media channel, Tony on Tap, where you can find videos of this podcast and more on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, honestly, everywhere. On this episode of It Doesn't Happen Overnight, I sit down with Dylan Daniel Mutyaba, an actor who has been performing since he was eight and signed to his first LA talent agency at the age of 14. On this episode, Dylan takes us through falling in love with acting at a young age, what he does to prepare for auditions, and handling the most consistent part of this industry, rejection. So sit back, roll camera, roll sound, action. Yes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of It Doesn't Happen Overnight. I'm your host, Tony Adiami, and I'm here today with Dylan Daniel Mutyaba. Yeah. (laughs) Mutyaba. Mutyaba. We are here just to talk about, once again, our passions and kind of how we're working every day towards them. So, Dylan, do you want to start with a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah. I was born in Uganda, Kampala. I moved to the States when I was eight years old. When I first moved to the States, I started school in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew I wanted to be an actor because my fourth grade teacher had said it was hard for me to settle into America. The lifestyle was so different for me coming from Uganda. Mm-hmm. So she had recommended that I join the theater department. Why I, was that? Just to. I think just I struggled making friends. I struggled fitting in because it, it was very weird for me to come from a life that I already knew to a complete like Arizona was a completely different world. So I was more of like a loner. I was just like shy mm-hmm. Not, I, I mean natural I mean natu- yeah. yeah like naturally you would just be like introverted and I'm a Virgo so I'm also like still introverted and I think she saw that and she's like just audition for the theater mm-hmm. school department so I did yeah I think that was just a way of like breaking my shell and then luckily I found out that acting was something I wanted to do for like the rest of my life so you knew when you were was fourth grade what I was eight, eight? Nine. Like, literally eight nine yeah and that's all I've done ever since no way acting yeah so I was just like this this is it and I think it's because like for some reason I just found myself enjoying being on stage mm-hmm. and I grew up watching like Jim Carrey and like Eddie Murphy and like Steve Martin so like playing those types of characters on stage mm-hmm. and I played the Grinch at a young age and I'm like oh my god this is like so this is the coolest this thing is the ever coolest thing. can Was we cuss the... on this for... yeah you can oh, okay. <laughs> cause I'm really trying to bleep myself out <laughs> I cuss a lot like what do you think you fell in love with the most like what really attracted you to it was it like the playing of different characters or was it like mm. the getting to immerse yourself in another role well, I think it was the... both of those actually I think it was mainly playing 
playing different characters. Mm-hmm. There's something exciting about like being able to step into a character that's like far different from you and then finding yourself in there and making that as real as possible. Like authentic. Authentic. Yeah. yeah. Like when I had first seen Jim Carrey, I think the first film of his I saw was a mask and he just played this like really eccentric character. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's really cool, but it's so grounded and real. And I was like, that's that's something that I want to do. To be able to just play like these wild characters, but have them just be so relatable yeah. to you. And I was like, that's the coolest thing. I feel like the best actors to me are the ones who you just believe it all the way. Yeah. Like it's, I feel so uninterested in a movie when I can see the actor playing the role. Yeah. Like it just takes me out of it so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel like the authenticity portion of it is like when I I see a good movie I'm like that was what a good yeah like because I believed it for whatever two hours it was like I yeah. believed everyone's role yeah and that's that's crazy because it's one of the hardest things a lot of people think acting is so easy people really say that they were like oh yeah I can be an actor but they don't really take the training that it takes to be an actor mm-hmm. so when I was doing acting school I just found myself just like mesmerized acting is like the unveiling of who you are yeah like the truth behind who you are and it's like it can be a scary thing but it also also can be a very exciting I just had uh, Kennedy Edmonds on the show who is a showrunner for someone who is a showrunner for a lot of shows at Amazon and he was talking about when he was taking acting classes how the main focus was breaking down all of your walls Mm -hmm. because you need to be able to go into all these different characters and if you're blocking yourself because of whatever vulnerability or insecurity you have like it's way harder to like do that yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's really about being a vessel for the work Mm mm-hmm and once you're a vessel for the work that requires digging into your past or into your imagination and thinking of situations that this character might have gone through. Yeah. But mostly it's like going back into your past and like pulling from that. So whenever I research for a role, I always come back to like a single theme that I find really interesting is just like when I write out my character bios, it's always about like my dad mm-hmm. being gone. So it's like that's always like a thing that I always come back to. Come no back to. Who- you're playing yeah because i mean i grew up without my dad he's still in my life but i grew up without him so it's it's like a theme that i think i still always try to get over mm-hmm. in a sense so yeah it's so or interesting not get over, but, but just, just like... to do like therapeutic in terms of like i always connect the characters to this path yeah there's always something that's there that's i think is still trying to and can you resolved. kind of explain i've done a little bit of acting but like for people that maybe haven't or even myself like writing the character bios that's something mm. that you you do when you get a role to kind of immerse yourself in it more yeah yeah say you book a role if you're going in for audition you really just sit down and you write the character bio from the day they were born to the day they're at in that screenplay yeah. yeah or whatever so you really have to have a full grasp of who this person is mm-hmm. you know it's when they were born or their favorite color or just who their grandpa was or like all what the they things call, all that the things we that, know about ourselves and other about, people like exactly. this character presumably also to make them authentic and real they also have all these things yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so it's not even anything that you will hear about in the script but Mm -hmm. it's just something that you personally feel like oh I understand this character I know where this character is coming from it makes them more real by adding more colored than just just, 25 African American male yeah like it's like because you you get like the description for character but it's like people are way more developed than a little blur yeah Yeah, yeah. it makes them so much more three dimensional Mm mhm before I used to 
used to go by Dylan Daniel. When I went by Dylan Daniel, I got a lot of roles for like the quarterback. The really just generic African-American dude who's the jock or whatever. And I found those roles to be very just like one dimensional. Mm -hmm. They're just like the jock kid, you know, there's not much to him. But when I added my African name back, all these roles started coming that additions that were like three dimensional African characters. That's so interesting. Isn't that crazy how that works? Yeah. Just your name change. Just my name change. And that's how Hollywood works. I was going to say, it's that superficial thing that like, ooh, this guy, what's his story? Because whenever I went by Dylan Daniel, they would never send me any auditions for African roles. roles. Yeah. And once I put it back, it was like, actually, as soon as I changed it on the acting website where our agents submit Mm -hmm. us, the next four roles were just like African, 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 African. And they were great because, you know, they were just like rich. Yeah. Story, like story. That's so interesting. I would have have never guessed that. That's how Hollywood works. It's all kind of typecast. Like, you're going to pick a pool of people to audition and you're going to try to pick from the small information you have about them, their headshot, their name, whatever. So it all adds into that enormous information pool and it's like, it makes sense that that's kind of what it came to, but I would have never knew. Which is fun because now I enjoy the roles that I get that are mm-hmm. more African based. I still get American roles but it's like I find myself more comfortable with the African mm-hmm. roles so that's always exciting but the weird thing was that to tie back to when I first moved here I had a struggle fitting in between what it meant to be African American in America and what it meant to be like African. It's so never... different. It's very different. I'm first generation because my parents moved here but mm-hmm. I like have never felt fully a part of black American culture. And I'm like, I know what people see me as and mm-hmm. I know what the world sees me as, but I know the sphere that I fit into and like how my household was and it was like very Nigerian. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I grew yeah. up very, very Nigerian in my house and then very American everywhere else. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard to pinpoint what makes a person, I guess, I don't know if people said this to you, but they would always say this to me as a kid. They would say, uh, you just don't act black enough. You know, all the I have time. so many videos about that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, like that's like a lot of videos like, on my channel. Yeah, and I'm like, what does black, you know, and I guess there is a stereotypical... Yeah, I mean, that was my experience completely, and it was just like the fact that I would constantly be called an Oreo, which is black on the outside and white on the inside. And I was like, what about me is white? Is it yeah. the way I talk? Because that means you're saying that black people can only talk one certain exactly. way, which is racist, not true, really stereotypical. It's like, I kept getting pinholed in these, like, I have all these white characteristics. I'm like, no, I'm Tony. I'm Tony. Like, yeah. I'm like, all of me is how I am, and it just became this weirdly Weird thing. racial thing. Yeah. Like, my physical characteristics were black, and basically everything else but, was white. But, yeah, people would say, you act white. white. And I'm, I'm like, like, what do you mean? And I'm still trying, I'm still, you know, because I had gone out for an audition where I had auditioned for Tupac, the, the biopic, and I sent the video to my manager at that time, and she said to me, and I think she was trying to put this in a nice way, which is always, but she was like, you just seem uh, a little too educated, and I was like, well, Whoa. I was like, well, if that's not another way of saying, you know, you just, oh, very hard we for can you. unpack that for a whole I, podcast, I'm like, know. Part two, continue. I'm like, whoa, no way. You know, it was one of those things where uh. it's like, well, 
black person can still be educated. But it was one of those things where like, yes, I know you're trying to tell me that I don't fit into this stereotypical role of being a gangster, but it's like one of those it's things. It's one of those still... one dimension. It's like, yeah, if you're thinking about this character in a one dimensional way, yeah. you may go to the first stereotypical jock. It's just like those type of things, yeah, but yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, people are so complex. People of all colors are so complex. Black yeah. people are so complex. I like think, I'm like, yeah. I think because Hollywood has an idea of what a black person looks like. So yeah. if you don't hit those standards, you're like, and oh, what you're movies too... and roles black people can get. Yeah. Where it's like when you think of Harry Potter, none of the main characters were people of color. But then when you think of the Cursed Child, which is the Broadway play, and they made Hermione black, everyone freaked out. Oh yeah, out. that was a big uproar about uproar. That. And yeah. people are like, you can believe in magic and trolls and. Voldemort, but you can't believe that Hermione could be black. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like no, they couldn't. Yeah, that's what it came down to. And that's what happened with the Little Mermaid, where people were like, yes. and I was like, it's a mermaid. <laughs> It's not real. There's a mermaid. A mermaid can be black first and foremost. But I think yeah, it's about breaking down those barriers and telling people that they, this is not like. It's still one of those things that hits hits hard when people. Say. We were having a conversation about this before we started recording, and it was kind of just like a big reason why actors start writing is because they see a gap. Mm. and they're auditioning and they see a gap in roles and like for my sister's book mm. she wrote this book because she was like there are no black people in any of these fantasy or mythical or magical or otherworldly genre like it's mm. like there's none that's just not a thing and she's like I want to write it so that it becomes a thing and like yeah. it becomes a thing where you see these gaps you see these kind of like systemic Places. issues and then hopefully have some autonomy to help create that for both yourself and the other people coming after you yeah. so there's less and less of and it opens up so many doors it opens up so many doors in people's like creativity mm -hmm. and inspiration because that was one of the things that sparked my inspiration was that I was like I haven't seen a medieval film with a black knight like you know you have what's the one with Mel Gibson Braveheart yes Braveheart and like people like Troy all these medieval knights I'm like I've never seen a black one who has that speech at the end rounding up his troops to to go into that battle. Mm -hmm. So that's why I started writing like a medieval script. It's like, I don't see that. It's like, so let me write? Yeah, like, yeah let so me... let me think. And I think even like with your sister's book, she's opened up so many doors for other people mm -hmm. who have, you know, I want to name drop. I was talking to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> name oh, no, drop. please, name <laughs> drop. <laughs> name drop. Um, I was talking to somebody. Talking to somebody. Rhymes with Honda Rhymes. <laughs> Honda Rhymes. <laughs> Barack Obama. I was <laughs> I was talking to George R. R. Martin, uh -huh. creator of uh, Game of Thrones, and we were talking about how African futurism has opened up and how we need those types mm -hmm. of like mythical stories that have been like hidden before. So it's like, yeah, people are starting to realize that these types of stories are wanted in our industry. Yeah, because there are needed. none of them. And it's there's there's none. Yeah, I, there's I mean, there's none. there's at least two. <laughs> yeah, I know there's <laughs> Sorry, two. Sorry, there's not none, but like there's there two was. Was literally was, zero. Yeah, yeah. Like you look at Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, go all... back and all these huge world building, yeah. and none of the worlds included prominent people of color. Yeah, it was like the African stories were missing. Mm -hmm. So I think we have opened up this floodgate of African stories to be told. Beautiful African stories mm -hmm. to be told. I feel like we just went into like, we could have gone into like seven different podcasts <laughs> yeah, about in that, this yeah. one conversation <laughs> alone, but kind of zeroing back in on 
your role and what you've been doing like what does an average and I know it's going to vary from project to project but like what does an average like day or week or if it helps to even go further and say month of an actor look like mm. at least for you like what does that look like rejection <laughs> rejection most of the time it's just you know actors if you're not a working actor you're still like a struggling actor mm-hmm. and by I, working actor you mean like book a particular like you're role working on, yeah you're yeah. working on a show you're a series regular on a mm-hmm. show so that you have set aside you're good you're good yeah struggling actors which is 99 percent of la <laughs> It's just like either you have your nine to five or you're working at a bar. And in between those, you have moments of opportunity where you get auditions from your agents or managers. You know, you're working, you're grinding, and then you get this opportunity. You go out for this audition and you pretty much either get rejected or wait to hear back. Or if you get that moment of hope, you get booked. Mm-hmm. And it's just a roller coaster of going through that. So mine is just like I work every day. And then when I get those moments of auditions, I go in for the audition and then, you know, past 10 years has just been rejection <laughs> after rejection and well you've gotten some things you've i've gotten some yeah. things you know <laughs> but i think I, I was just always so clear about where i wanted to go in my career yeah. and what i wanted to do and sometimes not seeing it so early on because i started when i was 14 i started auditioning in la when i was 14 mm-hmm. so having that standard of things i'm like I would look back. I still look back now and I'm like, God, like, it's been such a long time, God. (laughs) Like, what is happening? And you begin to question yourself. You really begin to question your talent and like, well, should I do something else? And it always goes back to the same thing. I was like, I wouldn't know what else to do. This is all I've known. you're doing the thing that you know, and you know it because you love it and you You loved it so early on. You can't just It's hard to step off of that dream pedestal. Yeah. Even if you're still reaching for it, it's like, at least you're at the highest step towards that goal it's like the minute you go to something else it's you lose it gets, yeah it gets further away yeah and that's the thing i always remind myself because it's like there are always glimpses of hope mm-hmm. small little things you can pick at that most of the time it's just like struggling to find yourself getting through rejection crying yourself <laughs> A lot of tears, lot of tears and, uh. and crowd myself to sleep. But you know, it's it's hard. You know, mm-hmm. we are always trying to grind and like find a way to make our life what we always envisioned it yeah. to be. I think that's always the hardest thing is looking at where you're at and you're like, oh shit, I'm not anywhere close to where I want to. But be. also, I feel like one of the things that keeps people in this industry going is it mm. only takes one yes. Like literally, tomorrow could be the audition that becomes your starring role, and there's eight seats. And you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's yeah. like, it could just be yeah. one audition That's away. That's all it takes. Because, like, in a normal, more traditional nine to five, there's a two year promotion cycle. And yeah, so, you yeah, like, yeah. you know every single day exactly where you are yeah. along your next promotion. The thing is, like, you go into the auditions and you kind of like go in hopeful, like, this might be the big break that I've been waiting for. Which is why for. every rejection hurts. <laughs> so much. But, you know, I've, I've learned that after each rejection, it gets a lot easier yeah now i'm used to it it's a part of the job it's It's as a part of the job job as everything else yeah 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 you get so used to it and i think it's it's one of those things that builds character Mm -hmm. you know like in terms of life if you are rejected or just conflict constant conflict builds character yeah builds who you are so i think it's building a character hopefully building a character (laughs) (laughs) so you also said because we were talking before we recorded you were like you were doing stunt work today you do Mm -hmm. stand in stuff so there's like different work you're doing in between these overall auditions or waiting for these next role 
roles. Yeah, and luckily most of the time it keeps me on set. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if I'm doing standing work, I'm either standing in for, I stood in for John Boyega once, I stood in for... Name dropper over here, here. Jesus, oh, oh my God. <laughs> just like... But, you know, it's like people like that, like Samuel Jackson, that where you can just like sit and watch them. And yeah. Just completely be like mesmerized. Like, what are you doing that got you to that position? So for me, it's just like if I'm doing stand-in work or even just background work, I'm just watching that. You're learning. I'm learning yeah. as much as what I a can. Better, there's no better place to learn, to learn acting than, than like on, on set. The, on the set. Yeah. yeah. And from actors that you Admire. grow up mm-hmm. ad- admiring. So it's like for me, I, I just look at it as a master class of just learning as much as I can. So hopefully when I'm in that position, I'll be like, oh, I, I got this. Yeah, bag. that's so cool. I mean, I'm like, even for me, maybe you don't feel that you have made it and there's definitely places that you want to go in your career, but I'm like so interested in this just because like mm-hmm. a lot of people haven't even made it this far, like in their yeah. acting career where there's consistent work even around other mm-hmm. auditions and stuff where you can kind of be getting closer and learning mm-hmm. more and just yeah. being able to really absorb a lot of the time. Yeah, like, which I, I think which I recognize because a lot of my friends in LA, which I, I'm very thankful, they say you're in such a farther position than most actors in LA, who most of them are still just like struggling to find like an agent or mm-hmm. a manager or just a good team just to be able to build connections with people that would take them farther or just like in, in terms of like screenwriting, you have all these mentors. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, I, I take... Same job I, with I, I think I'm um, <laughs> I exceeded my limit. <laughs> she knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> I thought you were talking about before, so when you said another name, I was oh. like, oh, okay, Dylan, <laughs> you have a couple. Yeah, yeah, so like mentors that I look up to and who see something in me, so that keeps me going while mm-hmm. I'm still struggling. Well, I'm going to be like, I knew him when he was in my living room, <laughs> but I'm also going to be really famous, so you'll yeah, say that too, well, well, so like it, yeah. it works. I guess I have a question for you. Oh, um, okay. I mean, since being in LA, how would you describe success as, you know, making it or in terms of just like my version of that your version of success okay I'm so in it's so funny because that's literally a question i have written oh yeah i always ask everybody this. <laughs> but like that is something that i wonder because it's so personal for example i asked someone on the talk show that i host and he's a musician and he's like i want to tour because that means that people want to see me mm. around the country around the world and that means my music has spread and like that was his definition of success mm. i thought that like that was really cool because it's so personal to the mm-hmm. person and I think mine is like the reason I do this stuff and the reason I just am the way I am is because I love people like that's mm. the only thing that has driven me in all spheres of my life like for mm. example the only class I've ever liked like the first class I ever liked was AP psychology because mm. we started with social psychology and we talked about cults and how people are like driven by different things and the bystander effect and I was like wow this makes so much sense because I see all these things on my daily life and like that was the only school topic that like kept my attention and kept me wanting to learn more and it's just like if I can be successfully continually meeting people and it's mm. like through my work because like at one job you only have a certain number of co-workers etc and they're awesome but it's like that's kind of the only people you yeah, have yeah. but if I was able to do this for a living and continually hear people's stories and share them and then mm. help inspire more people mm. to like jump into their own stories and mm. to take control of their stories and like to be in any part of that process to me 
me would be Your success. Like, oh, that's beautiful. and getting paid for it. <laughs> like, like if I, get I mean, you gotta make your bills. It, yeah, you gotta, like, because then I don't have to do my other job. I can just, like, I was doing just this. Just solely focus on this as. As a, a career, yeah. as like a story sharer. Like, mm. I want to share people's stories because I'm like, what other powerful way to, because we all are so ingrained in, in our own experience because mm. we're with ourselves 24-7. Like, we learn so much through those experiences. Like, mm. I'm learning so much just from hearing like this tidbit of your 26 years on this earth and it's like what if all these tidbits just helped other people's experience like live their experience to the fullest because we only yeah. have for as far as we know one and I'm like I want to be living it to the fullest and I want everyone else to too so yeah that would That's be beautiful. what's yours I'll we'll skip my ahead. definition yeah. of success and I think it changed because I used to define success as just like I guess I'm still figuring it out but success is just like making it you know you make it to a, a certain level and not materialistically but just like oh I have a name for myself mm -hmm. this is this is success what I've learned talking to people because I always ask people like what do you define as success I think it's just like feeling internal foundation of just happiness like I'm in such a good place in my life not materialistically but just like I get to wake up every day I get to go to set I mm -hmm. get to act I get to do what I love for me that would be the definition of success just because I feel so a sense of like happiness I think it helps that you also know what it is that you love yeah like because then it's like if I can do this if this can be my job my career like yeah I've loved it before it made me any money mm -hmm. <laughs> I've loved it before when any of the yeah like I've loved it after every no after every yes yeah so it's like if after 10 years for example you've been doing this for over 10 years trying to get auditions in LA you're still doing it and loving it yeah. like the chances of that changing are get smaller and smaller right. every day yeah and like you said I don't know what else I would do because I yeah. just love this so much so and I think you, that makes so much sense yeah yeah since you made it so far you kind of realize like you know I'm not gonna give up this far in <laughs> I put in 10 years of, <laughs> 10 years of my life to just give up at the very end saying this is not gonna work out yeah but yeah I know what makes me happy just being able to get into that place of being like okay now I can wake up go to set and act be able to do films with the actors that I love yeah or be able to tell stories that I'm just like deeply in love with yeah so that's also why I got into screenwriting why not write like telling well, right, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 I think it was like after 10 years I was like it's been a while what if I start <laughs> making scripts for myself or trying to start telling stories in this journey that has been going on almost 20 years if you think about your first oh, when you were act, eight yeah, yeah just like yeah, acting, acting in general yeah. and then also just in the more professional journey of being an actor what for you has been one of the main highlights of this whole thing like whether it was a role or just feeling or an opportunity like what's one thing you like look back you're like yes god it's been so long <laughs> oh so old. Uh, I haven't really thought about it. I sent you pre-interview questions. What do you mean you haven't <laughs> thought about it? I think it's just the drive that keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Okay, I will say just like a couple weeks ago, I auditioned for Juilliard. I never thought that I would audition for Juilliard or want to audition for Juilliard. But I was at the stage, again, in my career where I was like, it's been 10 years. Like, maybe I should go back to school. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned for Juilliard and I made it to callbacks and I made it to personal interviews and
And I think that was a moment in itself where I was like, all right, well, I didn't make it to the final, final callback. Mm -hmm. But out of 17,000 people who auditioned nationwide, only 104 of us got callbacks. So then from 104, they narrowed it down to 50. And then from 50, that's when they narrowed it down to 18. But then I was like, all right, if I had made it that far for Juilliard, wow. then maybe I, you know. Maybe there's something maybe there's here. Something like here. You know, because like, even like Adam Driver, he didn't make it the first time, but the second time he auditioned, he, he got it. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, if I can audition for Juilliard and make it that far, mm -hmm. then I, at least I know I can act. I'm so like you're not now, just like now, totally. Yeah, because before I was like, man, I'm going into these auditions rooms, I'm getting some callbacks, but I'm not booking. Mm -hmm. Maybe I suck. <laughs> Maybe I'm totally just Totally plausible. Yeah, like right. you have to, if you think you're awesome, you also have to also think you suck. And you're just like, you have yeah. to kind of even it out as like an equal possibility, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Maybe there's something Maybe. that I've been missing. Yeah. So I was like, if Juilliard knows how to tell who a good actor is, then maybe. So I went to the audition and I got the callback. I was like, okay, Whoa. maybe maybe I'm not bad. <laughs> maybe there's something still there. And even at the point where it didn't culminate in like a final offer, it's like just those non-rejections in the yeah. beginning say, like, it's like 17,000 to 104. 104 like, people. Okay. I don't want to take those odds like any day. And like, <laughs> yeah. but those odds were in your favor because of your talent. Like, you didn't bribe them. You didn't do anything right, else right. but show up. <laughs> <laughs> College admissions scandal part four. I can only say that because I'm Stanford. It's kind of just the like you auditioned, you went in there, yeah. you just showed what you got, and yeah. that was enough. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think in that stage of my life, I was insecure. I was just like, maybe I should just not. But I think that sort of confidence that I had, and it felt like a different energy in the room. I just felt like, oh, yeah, that was a reinsurance, even though it didn't plan out to me not going to Juilliard. Maybe like I wasn't meant to go. I was gonna say, like, maybe that's not that was four years, yeah, that you would have been not. That, now would I completely cut myself off from LA and my whole team and just been in New York just studying at Juilliard so I was like you know things happen for me yeah so. maybe that opportunity in your career is gonna be the time you tell back that like that's when I needed a little more confidence yeah and just to go back out on go this rejection right, circuit right, right. until that yes comes yeah yeah I think it was the refuel that I needed because now I can walk into auditions like, oh did you know <laughs> that, yeah, I um, call that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, few name drops, I mean, few money slips, yeah. and bam. I mean, I'm good. <laughs> like, I got a callback. So I think that's at least that small phase in my journey. I was like the reassurance I needed to mm -hmm. be like, keep going. You got this. Yeah. You just need to keep pushing and don't give up. And that's huge. And I feel like you maybe didn't expect that opportunity to turn into that. Because like, yeah. for example, had you been in that rejection, it just would have been like a, another no. I mean, way more understandable no, because 70,000 people. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're not even like really mad. I'm not even get mad it. about it. I'm like, um, okay, yeah, I can, I can deal with this. That's fine. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like those things that refuel you, even if it's like that stand-in role, but you're mm. standing in behind Samuel Jack. It's like those things yeah. that you see and you're like, yes. yes. Like, I know this is still it because yes, this excites me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I catch myself doing that when I'm standing in. And I was telling you about my friend who got a series regular. Mm -hmm. Before, I, I would stand in for most of the shows that he did. Usually he would get recurring roles 
roles or like small little roles. I'd always like stand in for him. So mm-hmm. now he got a serious regular. I'm like, oh, like it is possible. And you're so close, you know, because we look the same, we have the same height, we mm-hmm. have everything. So it goes to show, you know, you're still in this. You're you're close to something, but sometimes certain things work out for certain people because that's their path. Yeah. So my path is completely different from my friend's path. And thank God for that, right? Thank yeah. God it's for like that. you don't. Yeah, I don't you want know. to be on the. It's not a lot of room on the same path sometimes. Yeah, like right, I think right. you kind of need your own things, no matter how similar you are, because yeah. it's how it works. It's, I mean, it's, it's it works. also how it works best. Yeah. Like for everyone. Yeah, and I think this journey has taught me a lot about that because before I would, man, I would look at my friends and be like, oh, they're booking this or like her career skyrocketed mm-hmm. to that, and I'm still, I'm still here, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? But it's like, yo, people have different paths. Some mm-hmm. people get their breaks twenty years in, ten years in, or just even a year in. But it's like, chill. You know, something's supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah, and you may have honestly already touched on this, kind of in just what you said already. But what is the hardest part of this whole thing? The whole acting thing. Yeah, just like any of it. The persistence to keep going. Because sometimes, you know, you deal with a lot of insecurity. Yeah. Insecurities. I think insecurities is the hardest thing. And then also, I get this because, like, addition, you get a lot of anxiety. So dealing with anxiety and being like, oh my god. Sometimes it's so crippling where I just, like, I go into a room and I can't even remember the lines that I memorized the night before. Mm -hmm. Because it's just, like, so crippling. And then also realizing that once you make it to a certain level, there's ten times more steps that you have to do. Like, the anxiety is gonna get ten times worse. But, you know, at least in those moments when it wasn't, you learn how to work yourself out of that. Mm -hmm. And then once you get to that stage of a different level of success, you have a new way to swim through it. Yeah. So I think that's, like, the biggest thing for me is, like, learning how to deal with my anxiety. It's, like, anxiety that naturally builds up, but what also builds up is the resistance to it. Because to be successful and to not let it hold you back, you have to figure out ways to combat it and fight it and either use it to work in your audition or just, like, just something so it's not a barrier. A barrier, yeah, yeah, yeah. another barrier into an already hard thing to break into. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something that's holding you back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learning how to get over that. The thing with acting is you can't really have anxiety when you go into an audition room a casting director can just like instantly see it I'm just like armpit sweating <laughs> it's a confident I mean there's like I feel like being confident you can play the role is like part of it yeah and I think it's it's different once once you go into a room and that role is meant to be yours yeah. there's like a certain like spiritual godly thing that comes over you where it just shines where people can see like oh this person like, is who else but who else him but him play yeah, this exactly like the way that they envision it the way that you play it lines up and lines it's up just so perfectly. it's just how it and is. it's yeah. just how it's supposed to be because I've been on the other side because I directed a short film so I've been on the other side of the audition room and seeing people come in and it's just like somebody might be bad but it's like even though they're bad they're like this person is this is who, their role uh, this is their yeah. role that's meant for you yeah. you know you might have flubbed your lines but as an actor you don't know if your like little quirks or choices are, are that person's 
like so it's just like just just do them because yeah. it could be exactly what that person's like yes yeah. i always imagine that character twitching yeah. on that line yeah <laughs> like, yeah exactly i have no idea and I think, but... yeah, it's something that just overcomes you because what i used to do before going into an audition room you go in for 13 reasons why and i think before i would always try to give them what i thought they wanted yeah that's the worst thing that i could ever it's do. one you can never figure out like, the, you have no idea you have no and idea you guessing is but tailoring you, away you, from your, your natural creativity. instinct yeah 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 and i would always try to figure out uh how would they want me to play it then i some oprah ha moment was like no bro just play it as yourself play it it's as... gonna be the easiest the most natural thing for you to play anyway exactly and people gravitate towards yeah. that that natural aspect but before i, I think that's where i fucked up so many of my dishes. i was like what do they want what are they trying to how can i get them i mean that's good me? advice outside of the acting world and this may tie into my last question for you but it's like a lot of times i think people try to curate their interview or audition or like whatever it is to what the person wants but it's like mm -hmm. most likely it's best to be yourself because if they don't want you that's better for both of you because yeah. like if you put on this persona and that's what they hire and then you have to either show up as that persona you every day that's another form of burnout that is just not even a part of like the normal job, but it's like show up as yourself. And if those two things align, like that is where your actual that's, like, that's harmonious what, path is yeah, going to be. Yeah. yeah. That's where the gold is. Yeah. My acting teachers always say, come into the room or when you're studying the role, put yourself, your true self into the role because that's what makes you different from everybody else. Because mm -hmm. you as yourself are not like anybody else. You can't, it's impossible. It's impossible. But when you try to play the stereotypical idea of how it's supposed There's to be, that's when it becomes... 500 other people doing that. That's exactly. That's when it becomes like very generic. Mm -hmm. But you see the world differently from everybody else. So if you come into the room as yourself, imagining the way the character sees this world, mm -hmm. that reads off more relatable than a generic idea of like, what do they want from this character? Yeah. You know? So I guess my last question, and okay, <laughs> if it's already been said, is what advice would you have for someone who wants to be an actor wants to even just break into this industry but kind of just more in either like the acting directing sphere of it what would you tell them even another way to ask that what would you have wanted to know oh when i was <laughs> yeah like there's there's a, a lot of different boy. when you were eight <laughs> when i was eight <laughs> i would say don't wait for somebody to give you an opportunity I love that. Especially in our current digital age, you have such an array of items to create your own content. And before, I would seriously just wait at my computer waiting for my agent to send me an audition. And I was like, no. As a certain point came in my life where I was like, I have an imagination. Mm -hmm. I have the ability to tell stories. It's going to require me to put in some work and like understand how to write a screenplay, understand how to write a character arc, understand how to just have a structure of a screenplay i have to put in that work but at least i know i'm doing something yeah that i would be proud of and put out in the world and attach myself to it but a lot of people i think they wait for their opportunity yeah to come and you know they just kind of like stand by just like you can't do that you know if you're determined and you want to make it you gotta you gotta be going yeah that is like on. literally this entire project for me because for mm -hmm. a long time i'm like 
I'm so talented. I'm mm-hmm. so personable. Someone is just going to see something that I post one day and then boom, like there we go, next talk show. And then I really thought about it and I was yeah. like, chances of that happening? Not that there's not a chance. It's, it's really still a chance, fucking low. But it's very it's low. really yeah, yeah. fucking low. And why leave your like fate up to chance mm-hmm. if you have the tools or you have the ideas? Before I started this project, I would like literally come home from work and like probably get high and like watch some TV and like go on social media for like a long time and then like oh it's 1am cool like let me go to bed and that was good for my first couple months here because I was getting situated yeah I mean it's only been six months I give myself a break it was good for a little bit and then I was like there's a lot more hours of the day and there's a lot of things I want to do and I have a lot of goals (laughs) I was like what if I started putting those hours yeah that energy like Mm -hmm. this time that I have what if I just started thinking of things to do that Mm -hmm. went towards that and it started my new year's resolution was to do one creative thing a day mm-hmm. whether that was like a TikTok or an instagram like whatever it was mm-hmm. improv it was just like one thing a day that's quote unquote creative it led to me like making like many videos on my phone and then i was like oh i kind of miss editing and i was like oh what if i started up this pro-? and then like now now we're here and i'm like mm-hmm. i just wanted to do again because i was like i need to get in the habit of doing and i need to keep doing yeah and i think we talked about this last time is like a lot of people in la stay stagnant in their in their own world mm-hmm. and they don't put enough time into trying to get themselves further yeah so I'm, that's good that you like realize like oh if i'm going to get somewhere it's going to be I and why not be at the helm of it yeah like yeah yeah, yeah yeah someone can find you but then you're pretty much up to their will of how they want you to be yeah versus if you write your own screenplay that's your screen like that's your project yeah it feels better too when you put in the work when, for yeah. something and then it gets recognized versus yeah. like my video went viral that can be so instant yeah and then it's gone yeah yeah and like, you have to know how to keep up with it yeah and i think Issa Rae was one of the inspirations in that because she had started awkward, awkward black, black girl. girl yeah yeah and to see her kind of turn that small little web series into, into an empire into an empire and now she's doing everything and anything i was like you can just like sit at your table and allow the ideas to flow and that single idea that you get from the universe from god or whatever it might be might be the one thing that will just like take catch your, yeah take your life to a whole new level so you have to just be so just in tune with like literally listen to yourself like oh what is that thing and have that idea mm-hmm. and then work on it execute put, it, put in the work. yeah i think a lot of people think and i think one of the reasons i wanted to start this because i wanted to make it a little more attainable for people to execute because i'm like what is someone our age or a little bit younger who wants to do this like yeah hearing from someone like this like like mm-hmm. you where it's like you're a working actor to a lot of people you've made it like to like yourself like you still have to go but it's just nice to hear like this is kind of what my life is like and this yeah. is like the highs and the lows and this is like the in-betweens because it's like getting a little bit more prepared to make that execution to mm-hmm. make that jump mm-hmm. when you have more information because mm-hmm. it's scary it, it's scary to follow your passions but like it's so worth it's worth it. I think people get turned off by the amount of hard work you have to put in. Because I tell you, when I was writing that screenplay, there was many times where I was like, I don't think I'm going to keep on doing this. Because you really have to put in the work. Yeah. And, you know, you're staying up until 3 <laughs> We both, both are. We both like, are. We're, like, texting, we're each texting each other. I was like, what day, I was like, hey, Dylan, why are you up? <laughs> and you were like, wait, why are you up? I'm like, yeah, we're just we're working. We're putting in yeah, work. Like, I mean, 
to work during the day on this to pay yeah. the bills and then if I want this to pay the bills one day I have to work on this yeah. at night yeah I think people just get they can't fathom that idea of like you have to put in this work I have been that person before and I'm not saying that this is my idea that's gonna catch fire and that this may be it like I may have to think of something else one day to mm-hmm. just keep going but I think and I got this advice from an earlier podcast that I did with Derek Hardy when my brother's manager I asked him what his advice would be he said you have to be passionate about it mm, because there's gonna be the days where you're putting in 14 hour like there's gonna be the shitty days but if it's for acting mm. or if it's for for his case music mm-hmm. if it's for my case people like I can do it like mm-hmm. because I can propel myself because it's just what I love so much that it yeah. kind of overrides the less glamorous parts of this whole mm-hmm. thing like the filming of this this is kind of the easy part for me it's the yeah. Editing. editing the <laughs> it's thing the editing. behind the scenes. It's the editing. Yeah. <laughs> that is the fuck part. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's all worth the creation and the content and putting it out. And if it wasn't something I was so passionate about it, I couldn't stay up till 3 a.m. every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. I couldn't you, do it. You completely disconnect. I would burn it. out. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's something that you're not passionate about, you're like, oh, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I even. Because even like stories that when they say write the stories you know or mm-hmm. want to tell. Right now, if I was writing a story just because I think that this would be a great move for my career, it would completely flop. I wouldn't finish it because. Because it's like, I'm not passionate about yeah. this story. Versus have, this medieval, they were saying, I didn't you, see this right. and I want this. And like, even if not for me as a, as an actor, for someone for or for the, the world. For the world, like, yeah. Be, you yeah. have to be passionate about it. Because if you're not, then it's just going to die out really fast. I totally agree. And I agree. think even like in terms of acting, people going into acting, I guess the younger generation now, Gen Zs or in general, I don't know, I don't know where we <laughs> you are. You have to label y'all. You have to label These young kids. <laughs> But a lot of people who go now in the digital age want to be actors for the fame and for the success. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that being an actor requires 14, 15, 16 hours on a set, saying the same thing over and over again, running your lines, you know, preparing for a role, like three, four months for a role. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot of work. What they see is the glitz and the glamour. Yeah, the premiere. The the, premieres, the red carpets. I'm like, yo, that's just like... That's one day. What? (laughs) One day? Out of sometimes months, years, Years depending on how long the project is. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, you promote the film but like those days of hard work you have to be passionate yeah to be like all right it's three o'clock in the morning we're still on the same scene that we started with like six hours ago i how do you bring the energy to each take like the energy to to each take know how to keep yourself going because you have to be passionate about it so it's like people who get into this business and being an actor for the wrong reason you're like oh oh good you wait until you get on (laughs) set and you'll find out what it's really so before I let you go, I want yes. to hit you with some what we call extra questions. Uh, just kind of some fun little tidbits. So Ooh. what is your favorite Disney movie? Ooh, uh, no, Tarzan. Tarzan? I grew up watching Tarzan. What about it do you love? It was the film that when I was still in Uganda mm-hmm. that we had a VHS of and I just watched it like almost every day after school. And I think it's just like, first of all, it's like Africa. And it's Tarzan and the music <laughs> and everything. And I watched it again since a very long time. Yeah. It hit. I watched it like two months ago too for some reason. Oh. I don't know why. And it was so good. I, I think I just watched it like last month. Like it was like, oh. It hit. The beginning alone. And I'm yes. like. It hit. And I didn't realize that as a kid. But now I was like, wow, this is deep. 
Next question. Chess or checkers? Chess. Why? I just played it all the time as a kid mm-hmm. with my sister and my mom. I happen to be asking you all these childhood memories. I'm like, yeah, oh, wow. My character bio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I go to your hometown, like what food or restaurant do I have to try? Oh, like my hometown, like Tucson, like where I was raised? Any. Or... Oh, so I'd say if you go to Uganda, uh, you would have to try, I mean, there it's all just local food, but I always eat chicken tonight, which is like chips and chicken. Chips like fries? <laughs> fries. Or, okay. okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like <laughs> Lay's Doritos. Uh-huh. No, chips and chicken, like yeah. French fries and chicken. And then if I go to Tucson. Tucson, I would say EG's. EG's is like sort of subway, but their main thing is called the EG, which is like a slushy, like a frozen slushy. That's I love really frozen slushy. Yeah. Oh and then God. they also have like ranch fries with bacon on top of them. So it's like a good it's junk a good, food. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like feel good while it's, you eat it. Oh, maybe feel yeah. bad later, but it's yeah. It's, it's in the it. moment, yeah. it's yeah. You don't think about it. that. Well, Dylan, Daniel, Mutyaba, thank you so much thank for coming for on. It doesn't happen overnight. For everyone listening and watching, please make sure to tune in next week for whatever guest I bring on. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. That was Yay! fun. <laughs> what a success. That was really fun. I had a blast. That was awesome. One sec.